Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. The way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. And that's by Walt Disney. I absolutely love so many of his quotes. Hello again, this is Lucy, and I'm excited to have you on the Profitable Photographer podcast. If this is your first time, or if you're someone that has listened since the beginning, just know how grateful I am that you're supporting this and grateful if you share it with your friends because sharing is caring. And I want you to know that my ongoing mastermind my group called your best year yet there might still be spaces so if you're interested just go to lucydumascoaching.com look for that mastermind tab click on that and set up a time to chat or you can just message me and say hey tell me more so i'm super excited that sarah petty has agreed to be a guest i've been a fan of hers for well since looking at her website she's been in business 20 years and i think i caught on to her after just a few years so um been a while. She is a New York Times bestselling author of an amazing book called Worth Every Penny, Building a Business That Thrills Your Customers and Still Charge What You're Worth. And that's a two-time, two-comma award winner. At first, Sarah, I thought it said two-coma. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, this can be hard. She's a mom of three teenagers. She has a new podcast called Worth Every Penny Joycast. She's built her multi-million dollar empire around the value of putting family family first, hashtag family first. As she balances two business, she speaks. She is actively involved in her kids' lives. She's a coach and she has been featured in Entrepreneur, Fox Business, USA Today, Wall Street Journal, and many, many other awesome things. So (laughs) thank you, Sarah, for being on the show. Sure. Thanks for inviting me here. Yeah. Well, you have so much goodness to share that I'm excited I get to share that. Um, So when did you actually start? You said as a photographer. And then when did you start teaching? Yeah, I started my photography business in 1998. And it's funny, I have all the negatives sleeved. I started numbering them at number one and 002 and 003. I have binders of them nice and tidy. Mm-hmm. And then we went through the era where we were cutting negatives of boxes of those. It was very, very crazy. And then I started, um, I started the joy of marketing. I think that trademark dates back to 2005 when I was named one of the most profitable studios in the country by PPA and started speaking on the national stages all over. And people were begging me for marketing help because my background is a marketer. I wasn't even really a photographer. And so I, that's why I started Joy Marketing because I thought I have three babies at home. I can't be traveling every day. So it kind of just was created out of demand. So I think that's when I first uh, sat in a class with you. And um, I think I met you in Walnut Creek at Lisa Evans studio, maybe does that, does that ring a bell or am I making that one up? Hmm. I don't, I don't think that was maybe okay. me. Um, I'm not I, sure who that is. Okay. I just really just head down grinding on my business, raising my kids. Yeah. So if you caught me somewhere, I, I don't go that many places, especially anymore. Yeah. But back, back uh, when you started teaching, I was just so impressed. I don't know if I took your class at PPA or something, but what I noticed and what you shared that your background was in marketing 
is that you started out with such powerful branding that I was not surprised that then you quickly grew a, a very profitable business. And I know it was more than just branding, but I, I'd love for you to share with us how, first of all, if you have a definition of branding, but also how really, really effective, how uh, really strong branding can actually grow your business faster. So I'm thinking you might know some stuff about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love branding and I think it's one of those words that gets thrown around a lot that people don't really know what it means. It's kind of squishy, right? I need to be branding and marketing and people kind of group them together. But the way I really define branding starts with your identity. Your identity is what you look like. That's your logo, your colors, your style. People even have a personal identity, right? Like how you dress, what you look like. And so in your photography business, it's that it's the fonts you use, the colors, the, the communication. Your identity is how you look and your brand is how people feel about you. So you want to get a, create a brand where people fall in love with you. And if you don't have a strong identity, it's hard to build a strong brand when you're going from, and we're creatives, right? So we like a lot of things. One day we're bright and fun and whimsical. And then next day we're moody and earthy. And then the next day we're really hip and contemporary. And, and I get that struggle. Cause I remember when I started too, I liked a lot of things and I was trying to figure out who am I, what is my style? style. And I, I found it pretty quickly just because I liked what I liked. And, and even though I liked other people's things, I didn't like shooting that way. So I figured out my style. I got super consistent and literally I haven't changed my logo one time or my name or my website or any of my graphic elements. The graphic elements can evolve, but they still look like Sarah Petty photography. And mm -hmm. so um, that's where you start building a brand and then the marketing pieces grow from there. But really that brand is, you know, it's how people feel about it. It's how we feel about our Apple phone when we hold it and our Mac computers. We love them. We feel, we feel special when we use them. That's, that's a brand. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, I do like my Mac. <laughs> I'll um, confess I'm powerless over Macs. I need a 12 step program. <laughs> <laughs> no, just, just money and you can solve just everything money. and just go buy more. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, how does somebody figure this out? Well, the thing is, I am a big believer in finding somebody who's doing it and do and learn from them, right? Like that's how Joy of Marketing was created. I had to figure it out on my own. There was no one teaching what I'm teaching. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because I had a I had an MBA and I was a marketing director at an advertising agency. That's what I did. I marketed businesses. I got businesses to grow. They paid us, you know, we wouldn't work with clients whose budgets were smaller than like 70 to a hundred thousand dollars. And so so um, then when I started my business, I realized, okay, I don't know anything about running a business. And even I grew up with entrepreneurial parents, still you have to price, you have to sell, you have to do these other things. And so um, it took me years to, to learn. I invested in education. I went and I traveled and I went, I studied one-on-one -on -one with people and I got access to some really, really awesome people because I was able to help them with their marketing and they were able to teach me like what they were doing. Cause nobody did what we do. Like we have a comprehensive system that we teach photographers from pricing to branding, to selling, to marketing, how to get the right clients in and really serve them at the highest level. But I had to figure that out all, all on my own. Mm -hmm. um, but it, I loved it. It was fun. But now like we can always, I always tell people and I tell my students, we can make more money. We can always make more money, but we can't make more time. So why do you want to spend all those years figuring it out if someone else has already figured it out before you? So go learn from them. Learn from them how to do your own branding and heck yeah. Like all of it, right? 
Well, I, I actually disagree with that part. Okay. Because there are people who take, I do not want to learn how to be a graphic artist, but I want amazing graphic materials and website and business cards and logos. And so to me, just like people who are like, I'm going to take my own headshot. And, well, there's what, you know, sure. But those of us that are professional, there's things we know that we've been trained to know that, that will actually help that person's business by having a powerful headshot. So I don't know if you're actually saying learn how to be a graphic artist or high, put within your business budget for finding somebody that that's their superpower. Thoughts on that? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Graphic de professional design is the first thing I put in my budget. Um, I don't even do my own design and I'm not bad, but um, especially we teach boutique photography at the Joy of Marketing. So how to compete with the shoot and burn photographer who does digital files for 200 bucks. You can't build a high quality brand on a weak identity. So you've got to start with a strong identity. So I wasn't saying go learn how to be a graphic designer. I was saying, go learn, go have someone help you create that brand, right? Yeah. There are people who know how to do that, who specialize in that. And it drives me crazy when people try to do it themselves. They want to be this boutique photographer. And then they go into Photoshop and create a logo with poor typography and, yeah. and a dated <laughs> film strip, it, you know, in their logo. So that definitely can't fly. Yeah. Let, let's use Zaf Chancery, uh, oh, shadows on everything. Yeah. <laughs> or let's just go black and gold because that's luxury, right? <laughs> so I thought that that what I was hearing you say was not what you meant. That's why I was like, uh, let me check that out. Um, I yeah. actually, I hired and fired four graphic artists before I realized I needed to find a branding specialist. And then just sitting down with this woman for a few hours and sharing who I am and the questions she asked, she came out with this beautiful uh, packet of like, here's Lucy, here's and then some logo ideas. And it was just so me. So that's something I didn't know for a long time that there are people that train to be able to discover who you are and what that experience is going to be like of you. You know what you said, the, um, uh, how people feel about you. And then they know, like, there's just the subtlest little things. One little, little swish at the end of a word can give us a different feeling. So yeah. So we're on the same page. Yeah. That's what we did at the ad agency with every client who came in, we'd scrub through their brand. And if it wasn't strong, we would fix it because you can't build a strong brand on a weak identity. Um, so that's where we start, which gives our students a lot of perspective than just starting with somebody who doesn't have that background because graphic designers are trained in design, right? They're not trained in marketing strategy or things like that. And so um, finding good designers, it's, it, it's, it's definitely not a commodity. I mean, every, every designer, just like every photographer, but every designer is different. And while people can trade, like you can find a way to get, you know, maximize your graphic design budget. It's still very important to get a graphic designer who gets what you're trying to communicate because that's how you set yourself apart, right? So it starts there when you're building your business. Totally agree. And I, my next lifetime, I think I'm going to be a graphic artist. I don't necessarily believe in that. I don't know the jury's out, but um, I, I love good design. I just haven't had the training. So I know when it, it, it makes my heart so happy. And that's Sarah, what I felt the first time I saw whatever it was that you were showing about your, your logo, your, 
your packets that I took took home from your class, whatever that was. I was just like, dang, this is this is visually so powerful. And I clearly understand who she is. And if I were to hire her, A, it would be an investment. B, it would be fun because I think everything you put out looks fun and that uh, it'd be totally worth it. So yeah, it there's power in those colors and logos. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So I know that one of your core principles in life and business is family first. Uh, do you even have hashtag family first? So tell me about that. Yeah, that's really how I got into business. I was a marketer. I worked at Coca-Cola. I worked at an ad agency. I got pregnant with twins and I'd been doing photography on the side for a couple of years. And, uh, and I just didn't want to go back to the full-time ad agency world. It was intense and I loved it, but I wanted to be a great mom. That was what drove me. And so I just happened to, I was like, well, gosh, I was on bed rest most of the year and in the hospital. And I had this whole list of people who are waiting to hire me again. I was a broken back then. I was basically shoot and burn. I was giving proofs. It was film, mm -hmm. but nobody was buying anything. But I thought, Hey, maybe for a little bit, I'll just, uh, I'll just run this little photo business and, and figure out my next step. So it sort of happened by accident so that I could be home. I had these two little preemie twins that we've gone through mm. everything, you know, a crazy year of the worst pregnancy ever to get. And I just really wanted to be with them. And, and I started marketing, figured out, you know, everything I was doing wrong, changed my pricing, got a projector, changed my sales strategy, how I served my clients, took my prices, doubled them four times, figured out cost of sales, which I, I'm a math person. I love numbers and boom, just took off. And so, but I mean, that, I think that marketing was a big component. That's what I did for a living, mm -hmm. but it was all driven. Everything I do is through my family first filter. I've passed up some massive speaking opportunities because they happened on the first day of school. I've passed up all kinds of cool things because there's nothing more important to me than family first. So it's been fun to run a six figure, easily six figure studio for all these years, every single year, practically every single year being able to put my family first, which has been amazing. I just, I love that. And I, I feel like, cause you're, I was part of an early wave of women getting into this industry when it was pretty much man's world, uh, very few women photographers. And then there was this second wave after I'd been in business, maybe 10 years, and to me, you were a part of that, Lori Nordstrom and you, and there's no other names coming to mind, but, um, and I just loved that what you were putting out in terms of how to prioritize your business and how to run a successful business while having a life, you know, putting your focus on family. I think that really added a lot to our industry. So, you know, I, I appreciate your contribution. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And I'll tell you, it was kind of a sad story and I'm not going to tell you who these people were. Um, but there was someone that has been a god in our industry giving a class. And one of the local gods of our industry, who is also well-known, was in the audience. And and uh, photographer number one was sharing about his life. And he's somebody that focused completely on photography and his marriages and his kids and everything pretty much disaster. And the other photographer who I know personally had had three divorces and kids weren't talking to him, but he had contributed so much to our industry. And I asked the one speaking, if you had your life over again, what would you do different? And Sarah, what do you think he said? I hope he said he would go be with his family more. I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't be telling the story if it wasn't. He said, I would not have put all of my energies into the photography industry and I would would have spent more time with my kids and my wife and um, 
yeah, that it was a big trade-off. And as I watched um, a local photographer walk to his car, he just, it, I just felt sad because I knew what the two of them and so many other photographers had sacrificed because of their passion. And because there wasn't anybody teaching at that time, hey, you need to have balance. I think the first person, um, did you ever take a Charles Lewis wall portrait class no. or hear his stories about? No, how but I've heard, I know who he is, but I have not. No, I think he was before me. Yeah, I think so. But his big wake up was when his wife was like, hey, your business is doing okay, but we never see you. So you need to choose. And that's when he figured out how to be highly profitable and have a life with his family. So I just love that you you chose that from the start. Yeah, my, my I had that conversation with myself of go figure it out or go get a job because if you're gonna work day and night, you might as well be able to stop at five o'clock if you have just a job versus working all the time. And so that was just the filter now that I make every decision through. And my kids are in college. I just have one more at home, which is, I can't believe how fast it's gone. And I wouldn't change one thing. Mm -hmm. Is there anything now that you think you'll be doing different as your kids are out of the home? Well, I hope that my husband and I can travel more. My girls play volleyball in college, but you know, right now nobody's doing much of anything, very yeah. little travel. Um, we built a new building. My husband's an architect and um, we do a lot with the community. We put a gymnasium, like a volleyball court between our, our sides. I'm on the North with the North like Cameroon and he's on the South. So um, I have students. We, we had a, our first event for photographers in February called Go Boutique Live, which was so much fun. I loved it. I loved mm. speaking. Um, so just, I think more travel and more really embracing and, and really spending time with my husband. I don't want to be that person where when the kids go away, we don't know who <laughs> each other is. So I really, I put a lot of effort there and uh, building a really cool team. I just, you know, people talk about retirement and my husband and I joke about it. We're like, why would we retire? We have freedom and flexibility. Like we literally get to do what we want every single day. Why would we do anything different? And so I just think, you know, my, my children are finding their place in the world and I want to be around to support them and they're in different cities. So I want to travel more and see them when we can travel more, yeah. but just, you know, just putting, lifting more people up and creating, um, you know, just some excitement and happiness in the world. Yeah. So one of the joys of marketing your business well is that then as you are older, you aren't just still scrambling to like survive until retirement or till you die. You, you've got the luxury of getting to travel and getting to spend time with your kids as adult kids and be with your spouse and all that, all that good stuff. So yeah, I love that you've been um, sharing you know, for for decade and a half now, two decades, that you can have both. That there's ways, and that being successful is is possible. That it absolutely is. You don't have dream. to wait. You don't have to wait till your kids are grown. You can have that now, and you can teach your kids that you're not afraid to go for your goals, and you're not afraid to fail. I, I like my kids to see me fail, and I encourage them to fail. That's what I love about business is we just, we can keep growing as people. I don't ever want to just sit in a job I hate for 33 years and oh. waste my life away. I would, I would rather jump off a cliff, I think. <laughs> I watched every minute tick by in high school or elementary school, high school, uh, just waiting to get out and then have to sit through the next 
one because and I can't imagine if I had a job job a JOP where I had that same feeling <laughs> so I mean there are moments when I'm like is this over yet or but yeah in general it is such a an achievable luxury to create a life that we want and I love something that you touched on is to me creating a business and continuing to run it and continuing to evolve I'm sure you've you've evolved I'm in what I call chapter 3 now as a as a coach and podcaster. Um, my first chapter was wedding photography and then high-end children. Uh, I was, I'm the baby whisperer. And uh, okay, that was a long drug on sentence. But anyway, the point is we keep growing as people as our business grows and become the best versions of ourselves, I think. And as we learn and as we make mistakes and we have successes, you know, we conquer fears, we use our talents, you know, all that goodness. Um, yeah. So sounded to me like you were touching on that just a little bit. You, you agree with that thought? No, definitely. I think having a growth mindset is one of the most important things we can do because we have the power to go and do and change and be and bring out that best version of ourselves. And I always tell my students, like, I want you making money. I want you, um, which is great. And I want you having time with your family, but I want you to, I want this business to afford you the opportunity to be your best self. And it's so mm -hmm. fun when I see them start to get success in their, they're happier in their marriage. They're happier in their life. They're, they're bringing their confidence better self, still not best self. It doesn't happen overnight. But um, I think it, it's always been really hard. I think being a female growing up in an age where, you know, not my parents, but most parents would go get a job at a company, work there their whole career, and then retire, you know, get a gold watch. And I saw it when I had my first job at Coca-Cola, these people retiring and they'd have a little party and get a little watch. And I was like, this is, this is never what I want it to be. Yeah. And my dad was an entrepreneur. He also taught at a college for 30 years and ran six, several successful businesses. So he always had the freedom and flexibility to do things. But my mom was a stay-at-home mom. And I knew I wanted to be a great mom, but I also knew I couldn't be a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> That's the hardest <laughs> job ever. So yeah. I, I had to figure out, okay, how can I take what my dad did and also be a great mom like my mom was? Like she was Martha Stewart. She was the best mom. Well, mm. <laughs> I mean, with crafts and things, I don't know how good of a mom Martha was, but yeah. I love Martha Stewart and her creativity, but my mom was super creative and we were always doing crafts and all these fun things. Um, and my dad had, if we ever want, you know, I played volleyball in college and they got to come to all my games. They flew around the country and nobody else had a parent at anything. Now all parents go to everything, but back then they didn't. And so I just remember thinking, I've got to figure this out because I know this can be done. And I think it's a new world for all of us, for women and men. I have students who are men who are stay at home dads and they're, they're, you know, doing split shifts and they're doing really cool things because they want to be hands-on parents too. But you have to learn how to be a business person, right? That's yeah. the work. Learning how to price, learning how to sell, learning how to be a great marketer. Um, it's not hard to do, but it's hard to learn. And once you get it, like the world can open up for you. I agree. And actually it's as creative. I get as excited, almost like that adrenaline high that you get when you had a great session and you're not too exhausted. <laughs> I get excited when I've had a great sale 
not not just because it was a lot of money, but that I felt like they picked out the right portraits to decorate their homes with. They were excited. The sort of money conversation wasn't too, um, you know, sometimes it gets a little, I don't know what my word would be, but anyway, where it was fairly easy, where you made suggestions and they said yes easily without any kind of, hey, we could take payments or things like that. And when they leave, like, I don't know about you, Sarah, but I like, I have an adrenaline rush because it was creative trying to take these images from from our session that we uh you know did the planning in advance and the colors and location and the feeling and then know that these are going to be art in their homes and then i get a nice big fat check so thoughts on that oh i i couldn't agree more i i love money conversations i love i love taking money making money sharing money saving money spending money giving money like i think so many people are raised with um issues with money and I, I just think money is a fantastic thing. I, I'm sure I was too. We all have, we all were raised, right? We, especially when we were raised, we didn't have an abundance of money. Mm -hmm. um, we're all told different things and different beliefs, but I just believe so strongly that we have a moral obligation to serve people. And that means charging them and making money, right? And we are, we're healers. You know, we're, we're making these high school kids who are suffering right now. We're helping them get through their senior year. I have a senior daughter right now who's finishing high school at home. Um, and they're suffering, they're struggling. Um, families who adopt, they put that family portrait over the mantle or, or blended families with his family and her family and they get married and they have kids. And then you put that portrait over the mantle with everyone in it. They feel so loved and it's healing. And it's such a big part of, of we have just such a gift that we can, we can help families in this way. And people who think, oh my gosh, in this economy, people don't have money. People need us more than ever. And they do have money. Does everybody know? There's always going to be people who are struggling, but um, that's why shoot and burn is, I think, just the worst business model because you're targeting often people who are financially, you know, in a scarcity mindset. And then they're, they're often the ones who are, are struggling more, but people don't, they're not going on vacations. They're not spending money. They're not traveling. And they, what we do makes people happy, right? It heals yeah. them. It, it, it makes them feel amazing. So I, I feel a strong moral obligation. Um, and I do love the sales process. I love, that's my favorite part. I think I actually like it more than shooting, <laughs> which is why I love my studio. Like as a, a teacher of business, I want to always have my studio because I've been coaching my students how to get through this pandemic and we're doing it here. We're helping our clients. We're wearing masks. We're, we're doing all of those things. And so, um, I don't ever want to let that go either. You know, mm -hmm. people are like, would you sell your studio? No, like I love it. I love mm -hmm. what I do. I love shooting. I love teaching. And I think it's just a really important thing that we're doing as photographers. I think we're going to help bring people's happiness back and, and put them in a good mental health place. Totally agree. And I don't know where I first heard this, but it's my understanding that during the Great Depression in the 30s, photography studios were one of the few businesses that thrived, that it, it was so important and people knew time passes, there's marriages, there's babies, there's anniversaries, and that our industry is, is kind of recession proof because even though people have cell phones and, you know, more access to photos, capturing portraits and giving people that great experience is it never goes out of style and and is a priority when other things fall away. That's my belief. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. I, I hadn't heard that, but I love that. And I, I saw it with my dad in his businesses. Um, you know, when people, when times are hard, people want what they want, not what they need. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like they may need a new roof on their house, but they would way rather have some, you know, whether it's retail therapy or whatever, people are wanting to feel better. And we have the ability with a big, beautiful wall portrait to really make them feel amazing. So I think we're, I think it's kind of recession proof proof too. I like that. Yeah. I mean, gosh, I, I opened my first studio two weeks before 9-11 <laughs> hmm. and then I got through 2008, 2009. So I didn't really know anything different when I, when I was getting going, the right. economy was a crazy place. And I think if you're a good business person and you take care of people, you, you can, you can make it through anything. Yeah. Well, I, Sarah, I did the same. I started in 82 in the middle of a really big recession. And part of how I found myself unemployed was because of the recession. I had a a little business um, in the airport selling travel insurance and exchanging foreign currency. And I'd been contracted with Mutual of Omaha to do this. And then they wanted to cut my guarantee. And by this time, I'd already become addicted to photography um, and had lost interest in growing that little business. But they canceled my contract and suddenly I had no career. Yeah. And, and it was like, what do I want to be when I grow up? Well, I'm almost grown up now. <laughs> what do I want to do? And so, yeah, I didn't know, well, it's going to be harder. I think people, like I, I have a friend who started a business in the middle of the big, you know, business boom in the 2004, five, six, seven, around there. And just from the jump, he had great branding. He positioned himself in the perfect location. You know, his packages started at $2,500. Most people bought the $8,000. Like it, it was like, um, I don't know, the early days of the gold rush, you know, about you could just walk in the hills in California and the gold was just laying on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> just put it in your pocket. So it was like that for him. And then when uh, the recession, the great recession hit, he pretty much lost everything because he hadn't, he started when it was easy and he yeah. didn't, uh, you know, the word of the month is pivot. <laughs> yeah. He, he didn't put the time into pivot. At least that's my perspective. So, you know, I don't know how he's doing now. He moved into his home and sometimes you can make more money when you, you know, scale down uh, sure. expensive studios and things. Sure. But but my perspective was it was so that I feel grateful and I'm thinking you might feel that as well, that we started when it wasn't easy so that when it became easier, we our muscles were already strong for growing a business. Yeah, that's so true. And the 80s were challenging. I mean, the 80s, were, were, uh, it was a crazy time right then. So um, I always tell people you succeed or fail based on what you do, not what others do. I just did a a podcast episode on that confirmation bias, right? Mm -hmm. There's proof out there. If you're looking for proof that you, uh, that uh, people are failing, you're going to find it, right? I mean, you can, you can blame the economy. You can blame the competition. You can blame whomever, but that's why I say, find someone who's succeeding and look for that proof that you can succeed, right? That's why I think it's so important to be part of a community. It's so hard to do alone because you start building up that head trash of I'm not good enough or it's the economy. We can't make it in the economy. Well, gosh, nobody would be in business then. Yeah. <laughs> we all do sit at home. We wouldn't go out to eat. We wouldn't have anything. What the heck? I, totally. I love that confirmation bias. That's a great word. One of my favorite books that I read during the time when I was building that or running that other little business is Illusions, Tales of a Reluctant, Reluctant messiah by richard bach have you ever read that sarah 
I have not. It's a great little fable about a guy who encounters a pilot and the guy is the Messiah and he's tired of it. So he's going to teach the author how to be a Messiah. Now let's take religion out of it. And, you know, <laughs> uh, it's not a religious thing, but there's these amazing quotes that I wrote down and memorized. And one that has come up in, over and over again in my life is argue for your limitations and they're yours. And so that's another way of saying confirmation bias. Whatever you focus on expands. Whatever you believe is true is. So what belief, I think you maybe just already said it, but what's like your strongest belief that has come true in your life? Oh gosh. Um, we have a, a manifesto with like sort of our core values on it. And one of the things that, that has really gotten me through a lot of times is imperfect action beats perfect inaction. Because um, I'm a maximizer. I've done the strength finder. I always do tests and assessments to see my strengths and weaknesses. And one of the things that I've always tested high on is like, I have attention to detail. Like if I do a marketing piece, we, we create marketing pieces. We call them dog whistles because they are so cool and they attract the right client, mm -hmm. but they're complicated, right? I worked in an ad agency. So I know all the bells and whistles that you can put into these pieces. And I would, I would just keep working and working and working until like we missed the season. <laughs> so my team will say, okay, Sarah, you get 30 minutes, you get one more chance to look at this and then you're, you don't get to see it again. Right. Mm -hmm. So, cause sometimes perfect inaction, it's perfect, but it doesn't get done. Right. So our team will sit down and we'll say, okay, Hey guys, we need to do some imperfect action here. Let's make some decisions. Let's move this project forward. It's not perfect. And that was my podcast too. Like you guys who are, have been doing podcasts. It was so hard for me to get started because I wanted it to be perfect. And I started, we actually bought the trademark 10 years ago mm. and we started, we did one or two and it, it just was, I think we were ahead of the curve when podcasts were even really a thing and we didn't have a purpose. And then a year ago, I re-recorded the first four, like four times each. And I was not happy with them. And finally, um, when the pandemic hit and I had a, a little bit of time and I thought, oh my gosh, people need help right now. Mm -hmm. And I just, I, I went live on Facebook. I told my community, my students, hey, come be here live with me. So I'm forced to do it. And literally I did the first four. I told my team, don't even listen to it. <laughs> it just needs to go. And uh, because it can never be perfect, right? I no. just, well, I was, especially the first ones, you know, people are just going to go back and be like, who is this person? And yeah. so I just told myself, look, imperfect action, like be perfect in action because there was no podcast and now it's out there. So, um, that's really helped me get unstuck. Yeah. Right. Cause yeah. you got to do it, do it. We're never going to be perfect. Yes. I had a um, person that helped me get my podcast off the ground, all the work of it. And he also has weekly group coaching calls and he would say many times, don't worry, your first bunch of episodes episodes are going to suck. <laughs> totally. You're going to get better. Just keep doing it. I, I get, I'm better at it, but I get tongue tied at the beginning and the end. And, uh, just, I used to write it down. Now I'm getting better at, at just speaking from my heart and sharing whatever, you know, kind of if I have an offer or something, but yeah, that I have to tell you a funny story. So day, was the day before yesterday, I decided I am doing like a marketing tip emails and I decided I need to get this out by five o'clock California time because then it'll be in East Coast at eight o'clock. So maybe if people check their email before they go to bed, they can get it. And then people in Australia can listen to it. And I sent it out before proofreading the final version. So then I saw it and I was like, oh. so then I sent a correction and said, oops, you know, I was in a hurry. Here's the corrected version. Then Sarah, I saw that one and there was even bigger mistakes. <laughs> 
and I, and it was hot and I was tired and I had a coaching client coming up soon. So I was just trying to get it done. And then, um, so I, I sent a third one and I said, done is better than perfect, you know, in bold. And then I said, sometimes it's a little embarrassing, you know, here's the third version. And then that one was actually messed up. And I was just like, okay, if anybody gets out of my email list because they're like, oh, well, this woman, <laughs> she makes mistakes. <laughs> then, then, okay, bye. We're not, you know, we're not a dream date for each other. And I ended up having three people um, from, because the little end of it was inviting them to a free, one of my mastermind classes. And I had three people sign up for it in the middle of all that imperfection. Oh my gosh, that's so hilarious. I, I, I love that you brought that up so I could just say that because it is kind of like, oh my gosh, do I do I just like go jump off a bridge right now? Or <laughs> just, I think sometimes being imperfect also gives people permission because like I used to try to be perfect in life and I had people that were intimidated around me and I didn't know that. And as I became more authentic and able to say, I don't know and you know, show my mistakes. I was actually more supportive of people in that way. So, I mean, you, you've always walked on water to me. So, oh. <laughs> no, no, you've always been just so, so Sarah that, you know, I think people are comfortable and feel nurtured and supported from the start with you. Oh, well, thanks. But yeah. It is true about those early podcasts and my mentor who, um, he has a billion dollar company and he said it took him like 85 episodes to find his voice. Mm. And he said he wanted to go back and uh, well, he had a student who had done that, finally got his voice and he wanted to go back and delete the early ones. And my mentor was like, no, people want to see that you've grown. They want to see the bad version of you that makes yeah. them like you more. And he was like, okay, but they're really bad. And so I figured, you know what? I want to look back and say, oh my gosh, I've grown so much because you know, that's what we're doing. But I also knew I had a lot of important information that I wanted to get out there. So yeah. uh, you got to just keep, you got to just know, right? You just keep doing better and learning and growing and yeah. uh, hopefully helping a lot of people along the way. Right. Same with photography. As I sometimes look at my early, I don't know if you do, but I look at some of my early work that my clients absolutely loved. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they paid me a lot of money for that. I am so much better now. Gosh. So true. But it doesn't matter because that was a moment in time in their life. I did a good job occasionally, you know, that I got my master craftsman during that time when I was producing some work that in no way would have gotten any merits with PPA, but they love it every now and then something will pop up on Facebook with one of my former clients that they just take a picture out of their album or on the wall and say, Hey, so-and-so is graduating. I'm like, okay, it wasn't too bad. <laughs> so yeah, so, no, I, I do that too. I, yes, I do the same thing. We've all come so far with our photography, I feel like. But it doesn't diminish what we've already done. Yeah. I and agree. we don't have to be the best photographer in the world to make a really good living at this career. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. And I see photographers sometimes who are way better than me, who have all this head trash about not being good enough. And I, and I tell them, hey, you, you can check that box, move on from the photography and get the business skills. Because I mean, we all want to get better, but your photography is excellent. So that's not what's holding you back. Right. Right. And some of the best photographers I've ever known died penniless because yep. they, they didn't learn how to run their business and or 
how to find somebody to just hire them as a photographer. Yeah. So, oh, I could talk to you for hours. Um, I think we've kind of talked on the how to get traction in the pandemic. Is there anything else you want to share about about that specifically about this next we'll say 12 months because i feel like we maybe still have a good year ahead of us to keep navigating and uh, pivoting since i'm that's my word of the word of the month um but any other thoughts about getting traction well i think the biggest thing is a mindset shift i think we have to all get a little bit comfortable in the uncomfortable when the pandemic hit we all it was shocking we didn't know if it was safe to leave home our kids all got sent home uh it, it was we didn't know what to do right we just all sort of shut down and i grabbed my coaching students and i said hey guys look at me turn the news off and let's get through this right <laughs> yeah and now we're kind of going into the second phase of, all right, guys, this is sort of our new normal. We don't have to like it, but it is what it is for the next many months and people still need us. And, you know, I always say, don't break, I'm not telling anyone to break the law or do something they're not comfortable with because we've got people all over, right? We're all in different markets. Some are in bigger cities that are hot spots, and others are in the country much safer, but um, people need us more than ever. And so it's the mind shift. It's, it's, if you hear those voices telling yourself, oh, but it's COVID, I can't do that. That's the confirmation bias right? Mm -hmm. Looking for the fact that it can't work right now. The economy is not good. People aren't leaving home. If you listen to the news, get off the news. You can Google and get the news headlines in 10 minutes a day. So you know what's happening in the world, but get off news talk, all of them. They're just, they have to make news and they have to, you know, blather on about <laughs> what if this, what if that? We always say we don't give energy to an outcome we don't desire mm. because we like we could sit around and worry. What if this? What if that? Well, what if right right now? Let's talk about what what can we do to run our business? How can we serve our clients? The class of 2021, they're hurting. They need help right now. College kids are home. Um, a lot of people are are home who are never home. Business owners need our help as co-marketing partners. Charities need our help because people aren't giving money the way they usually do. So you. Have have access to people that you often don't have access to. So I would say, look at this as a huge opportunity to help others, to build your business and to grow instead of like, I'm going to hide, I'm going to, you know, wait it out. Don't wait it out. Cause it's going to be, it's going to be here for a while. <laughs> you know, it's not like a storm that's going to last 36 hours. We're talking months here. That's right. what we're planning for. So let's get used to the new normal and let's go take care of our clients. That's right. And spend the time in between uh, learning more, getting support. Um, I don't know, upgrading our, since we'll circle back, what is it? It's called a callback in comedy or theater. Improve our branding. <laughs> Yeah. You know, when you loop back. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or take take online improv classes and learn how to listen better. And yeah. Um, yeah. Use the time to uh, position ourselves so that we're stronger every day. And um, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, you know, people I say, I don't have enough hours in the day. I don't have the time. Well, you have the time now. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't have the money, that's where investing comes in, right? You invest in yourself to get the skills that you don't have time to get later. Get them now, whatever it is. I'm a big believer in investing. I'll invest in myself before I'll go out to dinner or mm -hmm. buy 
fancy anything because things are just things. We are the most important thing we can invest in our own personal growth in whatever, wherever we want to grow in your marriage, in your parenting, in your business, in your health, in your nutrition, like find out what you want to improve on in your life. And now is a great time to do it. And I'm talking to my college kids about that. They're, um, you know, they're, they're suffering right now. And the ones who play sports, they're, you know, they're, they're a lot on hold. They have this free time that they've never had. And I said, Hey, don't waste it. Right. What skills do you want? What do you want to come out of this year with that you wouldn't have come out with? And my girls are learning Photoshop and design and, uh, having a blast doing it. So we'll always look back and say, hey, that's when you got those skills. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And it will serve them to know how to get, get through the wind when the, when the weather starts blowing. That's right. Use, use that wind to, to catch our sails and off we go. (laughs) They say when the wind comes, you can hide from the wind or you can build a windmill. I love it. Build a windmill. Yep. Yep. So, um, before I say to, before we close, I have, uh, two questions for you. So uh, one is how you like people to get in touch with you. And I know you have an offer. So can you share uh, the best contact for you and then your offer and how to get that? Yeah, you guys can find me on Instagram at sarah.petty. Um, we have a blog at the Joy of Marketing. It's joymarketing.com. We have our new podcast, which is the Worth Every Penny Joycast, which is every Tuesday we drop an episode and uh, hopefully you can subscribe. I'd love to connect with you there. And we wrote a book that hit the New York Times bestseller list, which was overwhelming and exciting. And it's called Worth Every Penny. And I want you guys to have it as a, as a podcast listener, as someone who's interested in growing your business. So it's a hardback book. And um, if you just pick up the shipping, we will send you out that book. If you go to joyofmarketing.com forward slash free book, joyofmarketing.com forward slash free book. And we'll get that shipped out to you to just, um, just say, Hey, it was, it was nice to meet you. And I hope we cross paths in the future. Uh, That's awesome. I've had that book on my bookshelf for quite a while. And I, I think almost everything in it is like things that I've agreed with. Yes. There are a few extra tips in there or the way you word things, but um, you and I are actually, you know, we share a spirit animal. (laughs) I love it. Um, So just a reminder to my listeners to stay tuned for my wrap up and to uh, jump over to lucydumascoaching.com. If you want to know more about the mastermind group, you can click on that tab. Or if you just want to say hello, you have questions. um, I would love, love, love to connect. And I'd love to know who else you would like to have on my show. Um, So last question, Sarah, Um, if there's any last thing you want people to take away uh, from this conversation, something you haven't shared yet, or, you know, whatever comes to mind, what is that thing? Oh gosh, what is that big thing? (laughs) Or little thing? (laughs) Yeah, I think just remembering that um, you get to decide your worth, right? Mm -hmm. That's why I love the saying worth every penny, because I'm okay if people say, oh yeah, she's expensive, as long as they follow it up with, but she's worth every penny. Mm -hmm. And I want that for all of you too. So if you're struggling with that, you're self-worth or your worth of your company or whatever, like that's where I would work, spend some time working on that, right? Versus the tactics. People always want to go to like, what marketing activity should I do when it's like, okay, we got to, we got to go back a couple steps and get you feeling worth like you're worth what you're charging so that then you can go be a better marketer and a better salesperson. So just keep, keep going. That's my message for you. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Just keep swimming. <laughs> there you go. Like Thank you, Sarah. It's been 
um, just a delight. I always love your energy and your wisdom. So I know that my listeners are going to be so excited. They'll probably listen to this again. Hey, well, thanks (laughs) for having me. Thanks Thanks for having me. You're welcome. (laughs) Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, I told Sarah goodbye, sent her off with a virtual hug, and um, I'm excited to look at my notes here and give you that wrap up. So we talked about branding and she said branding starts with your identity and we talked about the importance of kind of have a, of having like a coherent cohesive presentation to the world that gives them the understanding of how people are going to feel about us and about our company we talked about the importance of hiring professionals not just you know grabbing some fonts and using bad topography um, but that just like hiring professional photographers there's a huge difference in what you receive um, it's the same and finding a branding specialist, not a uh, straight graphic artist can be important. We talked a lot about family first and how she set up her business around her priorities which is her family. She had two preemies and they required her attention. And now she's got a college students and a high school graduate and they're still her priority. So she built her business around having the life that she wants. Uh, we also talked about, um, I guess, mindset and that we can have a confirmation bias of whatever but we believe is true. So I know I've said this before, but early in my career, I was told I was crazy to want to start a photography business. It was too competitive at the time, um, especially there were not women starting photography businesses, which I do want a little side note. I love the men in this industry. I've, I've loved what I've learned from the, the guys and the camaraderie and uh, all of that. I loved how then women brought additional flavor to this business when we began to um, enter the industry and become now it's, you know, pretty much 50-50. Uh, anyway, that, that being a side, I had a confirmation bias that I was going to be successful in spite of what looked like uh, a, a tough road climb, tough road to hoe or hill to climb. And if I thought that I couldn't do it, then of course, that's what uh, would have been true. Um, she talks about the importance of being a part of a community. We talked about how creative running a business can be and that sales can be fun. And then um, her motto is imperfect action beats perfect action. So I'd love for you to think about and notice those times that you're stalling on doing something because you are afraid not to do it perfectly, like, you know, sending an email out with some typos. And if I do and that bothers you, well, then uh, so be it. And I don't like it either, but (laughs) typos happen. Imperfection happens. Um, Let's see. She said, we need a mindset shift. And also that right now in this climate that we're in, people need our help. Students see photographs. Charities need uh, ways to raise funds. Look at times we're in now as a huge opportunity. And then her last thing she wants us to remember is that we get to decide what we're worth and to just keep going. Um, So thanks for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of The Profitable Photographer. (laughs) Bye for now. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.